and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. It strangely feels like it's been ages since I did an episode, and I think that's because I did one quite early last week because I was up north and completely forgot about it for a moment. I wish I was more organised, but you usually hear these after I've written them the day before. So, sorry, but not so sorry. I am a very busy woman. Speaking of busy people, we are heading over to Scandinavia this week, which, as you know, is one of my favourite places, and we are looking at a guardian spirit from Norse mythology, the Dis or Disir. So, what are the Dis? These were female protective spirits, who, generally speaking, didn't have a fixed appearance, however, are often described as being beautiful and radiant, surrounded by a beautiful glowing aura. They would only really appear in dreams or visions, so they were also very ethereal and unable to be touched, but they could touch you if they chose to. They would often be dressed in peasant clothes and would appear humanoid in appearance unless they were travelling, where they would appear as a bright light or a ghost-like creature. An important note here is that they were always considered to be women, as they were destined to look after the humans they watched, and this, of course, links to the maternal tendencies that generally stereotypes women to this day. The Desir, though, are argued about by scholars, because they are either considered born of the gods, and so are gods themselves, or as spirits of dead noble women. But either way, they did have powers. Their main power was that they were considered protective deities over a particular family line. They had the power to bless entire families with wealth and power, as well as warding off evil and shaping their fate. These chosen families had Disir because they were ancestrally tied to one, and were chosen to be the guardian of their lineage by protecting and guiding them through their lives. You could tell that a family had a dis attached to them by noting if they had generally an easy ride in life, as well as if they had any money coming in, and a family was expected to leave offerings to the dis to repay them for this blessing, and we will get into the offerings and celebrations later on for them. If you offended them by not doing this, they would make sure that you led a path of utter misfortune destruction, or even death. And how do they do that? Well, that's because their most powerful trait is that they had some control over fate and destiny. They had the power to influence the future and guide the destinies of those under their care. But they don't have full control over this. This belongs to the Norse fates, the Norns. But the Dysir did have a little amount of influence, and they could push the path that the family took and make their lives significantly better. Generally, you would find Desir in dreams, as I said earlier, but they do live between the worlds of life and death, 
and they can't be found specifically anywhere within the Norse realms on their own. But based on some beliefs, they were sometimes thought to live in Alfheim with the elves of Norse mythology, due to their ethereal nature and sometimes linked heritage. But this isn't a theme I've picked up on much during my research, so I will generally leave it there. We will think of them as these lovely dreamwalkers. Now let's move on to etymology. The word dis comes from Old Norse and is actually spelt with an accented I, which is an interesting fun little fact. This word means lady or goddess, and the plural is disir, just in case you did think that they might be related or different monsters altogether. No, I've thrown them in together because they're the plural of one another. However, this can actually be an umbrella term for actual female deities and goddesses that we know of, ancestral female spirits, or even groups of supernatural women. Sometimes, it might even count as normal generic human women, so it is very much an umbrella term for the feminine. Now, if we shoot on over to their history, they go back, much like our other Norse myths, to quite a while ago, to at least 793 AD, when the Vikings were absolutely dominating Europe. However, whilst we do think this is a Norse myth, it is also argued that it may just be a Germanic monster, which does include the Scandinavians by default. The Desir are very often attributed to the Germanic creature, the Idisi, which were divine female beings within pagan Germany, from around the 4th century AD, making them even older than the Vikings. We will probably cover these another time, they're a really cool creature, but to make things easier for all of us here, we will stick with the Norse background, and they were first officially mentioned within the Poetic Edda, because of course they were. This 14th century text goes all over the Norse myths that we know to this day, and I talk about it in every single Norse episode that we do. However, before I give you an extract in English, of course, from this, remember that the etymology I told you a minute ago, that this means woman. Well, that can also be just a generic woman or any type of female monster within Norse myth. So, going on from that, here is an extract from the Grimnismal, where Odin, king of the gods, predicts another king's death and attributes it to the Disir. The fallen by the sword, Eeg shall now have. Thy life is now run out. Wroth with thee are the Disir. Odin, thou now shalt see. Draw near to me if those canst. There is also another one from the Reginismal, where the Disir appear to a dead soldier to comfort him to Valhalla. Fool is the sign. If thy foot shall stumble as thou goest forth to fight, Desir baneful at both thy sides, will that wounds thou shalt get. And lastly, for extracts from Eddic poems, Atamal, where the hero's wife warns him that she had a dream about the Desir. I thought dead women came hither into the hall, not poorly decked out. They wished to choose you, would have invited you quickly to their benches. I declare of no value these disear to you. 
I love reading from the poetic editor. I think it's so cool and I love finding stuff like this. But it's very clear that this year is used as this massive umbrella term. Actually, these two last poems were probably about Valkyries, which are another Norse monster that I'll get onto later. And the first is probably about the Norns because of their control of fate. But we will never know because Desir is such a usable term for women. And speaking of which, they were incredibly important within Norse life due to their powers and their symbolic presence within the family. Honouring them was key and offerings were made to them by the family they watched over with food, drink and valuable possessions that would gain the favour of their ancestral watcher. There was also a festival for the Desir called the Disablot, which was held in the first weeks of winter, which was foretold, of course, by the solstice during these pagan times. And this festival involved feasting, drinking, dancing, and a nice bit of animal sacrifice. This festival was intended to seek the Desir's blessings for the year ahead and to strengthen their familial bonds between Desir and their worshippers on Midgard, or Earth as we know it. I did mention earlier that I would bring up a few famous Desir women, and really the most important one that we have to talk about is Freya, the Norse goddess of love and fertility. She was a massive symbol of prosperity and familial happiness, as well as being really influential in the destinies of humans, especially within the home, with feminine roles such as childbirth and fertility being massively, massively affected by her. She was also the courier for the newly dead to the afterlife that was one of her roles, which also means she ticked all of the boxes to be a dis. Another famous one is Skuld, who is one of the three Norns. She is the destiny weaver, and her name actually translates into future or what is to come and therefore has a very big part to play in mortals' lives and destinies. Lastly, Gunnar, who was a famous Valkyrie. Valkyries were also female spirits, but they were the warrior women who served Odin relentlessly, welcoming spirits of soldiers into the vast drinking halls of Valhalla for their afterlife. Gunnar influenced the outcomes of human battles on Midgard, and would choose who would live or die, again having that touch of destiny and fate, as well as having the whole dead touch to them too. The Dis are actually still honoured today within pagan communities, and within Scandinavia and Germany. Disablots are still really common in Sweden, to thank their ancestors for their life and legacy, and to feast and tell stories amongst their communities. There doesn't seem to be as much animal sacrifice at these events anymore, which is pretty good, I suppose. The Dissier are also honoured at births, weddings and funerals in these countries to thank the Dis for honouring them with these familial events or moving their family member on to the next life. They also have an important role within feminism in Scandinavia, as all of the destiny-pulling deities within Norse folklore are women, and are definitely a sign of feminine power, spirituality and wisdom, as well as the strength of women within Norse folklore, 
which we see in Viking traditions throughout history, with women having their rights to fight, property and marriage based on her own drive, wants and needs. We've talked about some other creatures here within this episode that we may bring up or have brought up in the podcast already. Now, the biggest one to compare these two are the Valkyries. These warrior spirits of the gods are very similar to the Dis, taking on that bloodier side of death during a time of battle and conquering foreign lands. I covered them not too long ago. If you want to learn more about them, do check out their episode for more information. They are a very, very cool Norse monster. We do also have the Norns, these deities of fate. However, as they are technically goddesses, they fall into the difficult side of mythology and religion, which I do tend to avoid. But I might give in and do an episode on all of the fate in one go from all mythologies, but we'll figure that out. These three women, though, are really important within Norse mythology as they weave the thread of life one weaving, one measuring the thread, and one cutting it, ending the life of the person it belongs to. Of course, they are intrinsically involved in the destiny of a person and the events that happen to them, and so they could be linked to the Dis, and of course are frequently called Dis, such as Skuld. Lastly, because of the Dis's link to women, it could also be argued that they are linked to the Norse Vaitir, which are any supernatural race within the Norse folklore universe, I suppose. This includes elves or Alfar, dwarves or Dvegar, giants or Jotnar, and even the Norse gods, the Aesir and the Vanir. There are some spirits included within this which do not include the Dis, but this also includes the Landvater, which were nature spirits and is probably the most similar to the Dis in terms of their actual spiritual nature. But sometimes these are malevolent to humans, so that doesn't really suit our monster of the week. But it's certainly an interesting one to compare them to. So let's talk about modern media. We don't have anything for Dissir specifically, but we do have some for Valkyries and these kind of spiritual guides throughout the afterlife, and ones that guide you through the Norse afterlife and mythology. So we'll be rocking that this week. For art, have a look at The Disses from 1909 by Dorothy Hardy, Idyssey from 1905 by Emil Doppler, or The Disseblot by August Malmström for amazing portrait art of these wonderful ladies, so you can really get an idea of what people might think they look like. But there isn't really much around for independent art this week. I really struggled to find some, so I'd actually recommend to stick with the classics, which I never do. In movies, though, we have Conan the Barbarian, Thor Ragnarok, Thor Love and Thunder, and Avengers Endgame. In TV, we have Charmed, Samurai Jack, Looney Tunes, Hey Arnold, Lost Girl, Vikings, Xena Warrior Princess, Carmen Rider Wizard, and Courage the Cowardly Dog. In video games, we have the most, which is Mass Effect 2, God of War, Age of Mythology, NetHack, Castlevania, For Honor, Diablo 2, Brawlhalla, Fate Slash Grand Order, Elder Scrolls, 
The Legend of the Valkyrie, Odin's Fear, Ragnarok Online, Gems of War, Max Payne, Too Human, Smite, Blaze Blue, The Valkyrie Profile, Archon, Wizardry, Elden Ring, Warcraft, and World of Warcraft. But for my book recommendation this week, I would really recommend Tales of Norse Mythology by Helen A. Gerber for fabulous Norse myths in a much wider variety than just the Dis and the spirits. But for more Valkyrie-type spirits, check out The Real Valkyrie, The Hidden History of the Viking Warrior Women by Nancy Marie Brown. Or there's also Valkyrie, The Women of the Viking World by Joanna Catherine Friedrich's daughter. It does cover more than Valkyries. It covers the whole women of the Viking world and Norse mythology. So I'd really recommend this if you're into your feminist literature. But now it's time for... Do I think they existed? If you've listened to my Valkyrie episode, you will probably know what I'm going to say. And actually, if you listen to any of my spiritual episodes, you might hear the same. But it's really hard to figure out if death spirits could be a thing for me. Because conceptualising death is quite hard when no one comes back from it to confirm anyone's findings. However, I also believe that this leaves a massively healthy dose of scepticism on both sides of the argument. I also think that this myth doesn't do anything but good. Respecting your family after they have passed is an honourable thing to do, unless they weren't very nice, obviously. And I don't think there's many bad things I can say about a spirit that gives you nice things if you tell her about your day sometimes and make her a cup of tea. I also think the Disir are important to represent the connection between past, present and future. And as well as that, they connect generations, highlighting the importance of family as well as ancestry and collective memory within these communities. The Norse were also very good at understanding cause and effect, and the Desir, with their blessings, good or bad, will tell you if you've been looking after them back. They kind of make you appreciate those who came before you and how that influences all of our lives for generations to come. I actually lost my grandmother back in December last year and I find a lot of comfort in the idea of her watching over me with a guiding and protective hand. But I also find comfort that she is probably giving some angels because she was a Christian so much grief for putting ice in her drink because she really hated that. So that brings me much joy too. But what do you think? Did the Desir look after the Norse families of old? Let me know on Twitter. I would love to know what you think about this one. I thought this was a super fun monster this week. And although this one overlaps a little bit with our beloved Valkyries and other Norse deities, that does not diminish their coolness and use within Norse mythology and folklore. And as we know, their worship is up to the present day too, so they've got something going on. Next week though, we are heading over to somewhere very different and going over to China for the first time in ages to look at a creature that is usually shown off in jade. So keep your precious metals and gems away from the Pixu next Thursday. For now, though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please give a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, Threads and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes. Bye.